Welcome to GovCast, connecting with federal IT's top decision makers. I'm your host, Amy Kluber. The Food and Drug Administration has been one agency at the heart of the COVID-19 response for treatments and vaccines. But the agency is also in the midst of a widespread digital transformation, an effort with large influence from Chief Technology Officer Vid Desai, who joined the agency with decades of experience in the private industry at pharmaceutical and medical device organizations. Desai had an interesting take on his first venture in public service. He observes a lot of similarities of FDA's tech focuses with those in his private industry experiences. Driving change requires business acumen and enabling technology to drive the mission. This, he says, can unlock so many opportunities for data sharing efforts, medical device innovation, and more. Desai joins us remotely to discuss what lies ahead at the agency. Vid, thanks so much for joining us on GovCast. It's great to have you this morning. I'm looking forward to getting into some of your priorities at FDA today. I'm uh, pleased to be here and uh, good morning to you and uh, anybody else that might be listening. (laughs) So what brought you to FDA to begin with? Did you always want to work in public service? Actually, I personally never imagined as part of my career trajectory to work for the government or in uh, public service. Uh, I have uh, spent about 30 or so years in uh, private industry, uh, started my first 10 years or so in the pharmaceutical industry, uh, spent uh, the next eight, 10 years in uh, clinical research organizations, and then uh, the final 10, 12 years uh, in the medical device industry, uh, mainly working for private equity uh, funded companies, uh, doing a lot of mergers and acquisitions. My personal view of government, uh, uh, like many citizens, was formed by my interactions uh, either uh, with the DMV or organizations like that. So, you know, why would anybody want to go work there was sort of my mentality. So, you know, after you know, just prior to joining the FDA, I had just come out of a very large divestiture of a medical device company. Um, and uh, I was sort of looking, thinking about my next chapter in life. And uh, I, I was talking to Dr. Uh, Amy Abernathy, who happens to be not only local to where I uh, live in North Carolina, but she's also, she had recently just taken over the job of the principal deputy commissioner of the FDA. And I knew her from industry prior to that. So I was talking to her about this and you know, discussing uh, the need to do something new and interesting. And she says, well, you know, I've got something new and interesting that you might want to uh, think about. And you know, initially I was uh, skeptical, but she convinced me to come and uh, talk to the center directors and uh, uh, some of the folks at the FDA. And frankly, when I did that, um, I was blown away. I mean, that perception of the DMV completely went away. The folks I interacted with were very, very passionate. They knew their subject matter. Um, And frankly, what surprised me is just the degree of caliber uh, that the FDA had in its leadership. The next thing that I found very interesting uh, was the degree of passion and support that they had about the importance of IT and the role that it played um, in the FDA's mission. Oftentimes in in the healthcare, private healthcare industry, you have many companies that view IT as a supporting function or as a function that's there, but it's not really a business enabling function. The central leadership clearly understood that to be different. And so so I think those are some of the things that really uh, got me interested and um, convinced me to come join the FDA. Uh, And so here I am. 
Wow. So you were truly kind of a, an outsider in more ways than one, you know, physically and uh, in your career coming in from the private sector, which not a lot of people have in government, but it's always nice when they do. So in your background in the private sector, what are some ways that you are kind of leveraging those lessons learned or experiences to drive that mission at FDA? Yeah. So I think one of the things, you know, when I was interviewing and, and talking with the center directors, that was very clear to me or that came across very, very clearly was um, the need for change. The leadership at the FDA clearly understood the important uh, role that IT plays, but they clearly felt that things needed to be done differently. That's what attracted me. And, you know, as, uh, as I looked at my career so far, and especially in the last 12 years, working in the private equity industry, you know, where you basically buy uh, multiple companies, put them together, optimize them. It felt and sounded very familiar to the types of change programs I had run, uh, driving efficiency, driving um, a change. So that sounded very familiar and something that I actually um, enjoyed very much as part of my job. It was very clear that this was not a job to kind of maintain status quo and just kind of keep the lights on. They were looking for somebody to come in to drive some change, make some transformational changes. And the other thing I, I also learned from there is many of the problems that uh, the FDA is trying to solve with IT were not all that different to what the problems we try to solve even in, in private industry. So there's, there was more similar than different. And I think the, the third area, which was uh, very important and it came across again in my discussions with the center leadership is they needed a very business view. I mean, there's, you can get a lot of technology folks to come in and do technology but they needed to understand and get better value on the investments they were making in IT. So the business acumen side of things was very important to them. And that, that's something that, again, I brought, uh, and I, you know, when you work with a private equity company, you have no choice but to think about uh, things from a value perspective. And I thought that was a good fit for at least what I heard the FDA leadership looking for. Wow. It is interesting when you say, you know, FDA had more similarities than differences from some of the facets of the private industry because, you know, covering this industry, I hear the complete opposite all the time. So did you feel like coming from that side of things into the public service realm was a initial barrier to driving that change that FDA is in right now? Or was it more of an opportunity? I think it was more of an opportunity because it was very clear that, um, the FDA had tried uh, using existing government leadership to do many of the things they wanted to do. And, and so I think one of the things uh, they had come to the conclusion of is trying to do the same thing over and over again wasn't going to give them a different result. So I think with me, they, were, they experimented a little bit in that let's try something completely different. And, um, you know, when I use the comment, you know, there's more things that are similar than different. You know, what I meant by that is, Technology, you know, the FDA has access to the same technology as everybody else uh, uh, in the industry. They have access to the same consultants and technical skills and things like everybody else. But I think the way they were going about solving the problem was very linear. You know, we, we kept throwing uh, dollars and people to scale and solve existing problems. And what was very clear or what is very clear is there is such a significant change um, and the volumes of data we're dealing with, the volumes of transactions we're expected to deal with are rising exponentially. We cannot keep scaling linearly by throwing people and dollars at this problem. We're gonna to have to think differently. We're gonna to have to drive change and think differently, solve differently. And that's the, the attraction uh, for me. Um, that's sort of what we've been doing in the private industry side, particularly in the private equity companies, You know, where the whole idea is you buy two or three different companies with different cultures, put them together and form a very optimized organization. And so many of those types of things, um, uh, skills or changes um, um, 
is what I felt the leadership at the FDA were looking for. And uh, I had done a little bit of that. It's uh, an area of interest and trying it in government would be a interesting new opportunity. Fantastic. It sounds certainly like a new opportunity. I and mean, it's exciting to see where FDA is going with its tech and even data modernization looking ahead. So you did mention how private industry tends to look at technology as more of like the second, you know, that they don't really prioritize it like FDA does. So what importance does technology have in some of those public health goals? Outline that for us. Technology is a great equalizer um, as you think about public health. So um, the internet, for example, allows us to really get down to the patient directly. And I think that's the opportunity that I personally have felt and seen uh, evolve in the healthcare industry. In days past, you know, you to interact, you know, for a regulatory agency like the FDA to interact with the end patient, we would have had to go through uh, our sponsor companies or doctors and hospitals and, and then folks like that. I think technology right now allows us to interact directly with the end patient. And I think that's the big advantage that I think that we see or have an interest in exploiting. And let me give you some examples of what I mean by that. So right now, um, you know, when you go to the grocery store and you're, you're looking for lettuce, you don't know at any given time, you know, what journey that lettuce took from the farm to the table, how fresh it is. But wouldn't it be great if you could just scan a barcode label or, or something on the lettuce that would give you instantly the, the journey it took and whether all the safety mechanisms uh, that are required to occur uh, in its journey from farm to table were all properly taken care of. Or on the other extreme, you know, if the FDA had some information that that particular batch of lettuce might have gone bad or wasn't dealt with correctly, to immediately flag that to the end consumer in near real time. The other examples we think about uh, in terms of where technology can take us and why we're excited about technology from a public health perspective is, uh, you know, many of us have elderly parents and, you know, when they go to get the prescription drugs, the pharmacist will give them, you know, four or five or six pages of potential drug interactions that they may want to consider. And now nobody really reads that in any great detail. But wouldn't it be great if, again, by scanning or, or that patient had the ability to basically have that label summarized to, based on their, their medical history and just highlight, you know, given your medical history and what we know about you, here are some of the things you should be concerned about or should be aware of for this particular drug. Uh, so customizing those labels and all the, the materials that we, we package, those are the types of things that are possible today. And I think that's the role of technology that we see that a regulatory agency like the FDA can leverage to really improve the patient experience. Everybody in the industry views the patient as being in the center. And I think at the FDA, we're pursuing similar goals and, and our tech and data modernization is aimed at enabling those types of user experience or patient experiences to be possible in the future. Wow, that's fascinating. And honestly, why aren't we doing that yet? <laughs> I mean, I would love to scan a, you know, I do everything on my phone. I would love to scan a label and see even more information about like the lettuce or the drug interactions, that those are fascinating points. But to think about how much data is necessary to even capture information like that or share it, that's another whole thing that I know FDA is taking on. Is there anything in that regard that you're excited about in the next few years? I know FDA came out with its data modernization plan recently. It has a technology modernization plan. So how are those strategies kind of informing those next steps? If you think about the couple of scenarios that I just talked about, to make that happen, there is a huge complex ecosystem of vendors. And you know, if you think about the supply chain, either from farm to table 
or from drug discovery to a, a pharmacist uh, dispensing a drug, there are many, many different players involved. There are literally hundreds, if not thousands of systems involved. So the technology integration uh, or the role that technology plays is pretty obvious. So that's one of the reasons why we needed to modernize our technology environment so to, to be able to deal with that very complex system ecosystem. The other part is data. Uh, the data is spread all over that ecosystem. How do we bring it together? It's owned by different folks. Um, we do not have direct access to it, but how do we solve the problem of bringing the relevant parts of that data together so that we can put it to use to answer and develop those types of user experiences or patient experiences? And that's the whole point of our, our DMAP. So the TMAP focuses on how can we modernize the FDA technology infrastructure to be able to deal and at least start imagining those types of applications. And the data modernization aims to solve the problem of how do we bring all that data together in a consistent, clean, reliable way uh, so that we can develop uh, those solutions or at least make the infrastructure available for others to develop those solutions. We don't necessarily need to be the system provider but I think we have a important role to play to enable those types of uh, solutions to be imagined. Wow, very interesting. So you talked a lot about the modernization journey and, and the period of change that FDA is in right now, especially considering, you know, you came into the role a couple years ago. So can you outline for us where FDA is at in that modernization journey and how you are supporting it? So I think right now it's fair to say we're fairly early in our modernization journey. We've certainly started modernizing our technology side, and I think we've made some good progress there. If I had to put a, a guess on it, I think we're about 20% into the modernization. We have a line of sight for modernizing our technology where all the end of life systems we have and stuff like that will pretty much be under control by 2024. So we feel fairly good about the technology modernization side. The modernization of people and culture processes is a little bit behind, and that's equally important. Modernization should not be a project. You know, when you fall behind, yes, you have to kind of deal with it like a project, but it's a waste of money and dollars and effort if we don't at the same time modernize our people and culture as well as our processes so that we get into this continuous improvement mode so that we never have to modernize or have a modernization project again. So that's equally important. So we're, we're a little bit and modernizing people and culture and the process side takes a little bit more effort and it's actually harder to do. So I would say we're probably a little bit behind that. We have started those programs. We're investing in, the, in them very heavily, but I would say the technology modernization is easy, easier and frankly, we've made more progress there. The modernization of people and culture and processes uh, is a little bit behind that, but those things do take a little bit longer, but we view them as equally important and are, are emphasizing and prioritizing them just as highly. Definitely. And I do like to hear when leaders like yourself at other agencies, they talk about the people aspect of the technology, because a lot of people get pigeonholed and they think, you know, oh, systems, you know, new tech, AI, etc. But they don't talk about the people which enable all those things. So it's fascinating to hear when you talk about it and then seeing it in the strategies and the action plans. So I was wondering if you could go into the workforce part a little bit. What are some ways that you're seeing some of the uh, your strategies or the actions come to fruition in the near term regarding that people aspect? Absolutely. So we've started this uh, people and culture change program that we call NWOW, New Ways of Working. Because, you know, I made the point earlier that, you know, when you have a exponentially um, increasing problem or uh, from a complexity or, or, or volume of transactions perspective, 
you cannot solve that applying linear techniques of throwing people and, and uh, dollars at that problem. Our budgets don't increase uh, uh, exponentially. So we've got to find different ways of solving. And that's what the NWOW program is all about. How do we think differently? How do we solve differently so that we can scale to the exponential growth that we're seeing with our manageable budgets? I think some of the very specific things that you will see as part of our culture change program is right now, when you look at the workforce, 80% of our IT workforce um, comes from the contracting side and our federal headcount is very low. It's in the 20% range uh, from an IT perspective. We need to flip that. So we, we you, uh, over the next four to five years, we're putting in plans where we want the employee, the federal ratio to be more on the 60% side, the contracting ratio to be on the 40% side. I think that's a healthy place to be. So you'll see us making that shift. The other thing that we talk about a lot within the organization is given over very heavy reliance on contract staff, in some cases, we have uh, uh, depended on contractors to do our planning, thinking, and decision-making, which I think is very is not good. We've got to have the planning, thinking, and decision-making to be done internally by the federal headcount. And so the, the shift towards the federal headcount, uh, basically we're, we're converting our operating expense into payroll dollars. And so the budgets remain flat, but we believe that some of these important planning, thinking, and decision-making activities need to be done internally as opposed to uh, depending on contractors who have their own separate ways of thinking as well as a, a revenue ecosystem to think about. So they don't always make decisions that are in the best interest of the FDA. And I think by doing that by internal headcount, we will be better aligned to our internal needs as opposed to uh, external forces influencing those uh, directions. Interesting. And it certainly makes sense. And so it is interesting to hear the makeup of uh, the contracting side of FDA. I guess I never thought about that before. So pivot just a little bit, because FDA had a huge role, obviously, in this pandemic. We understand all the approvals that came out with the vaccines and all the work that went into that, the data sharing and the clinical trials that went into uh, the pandemic response. Is there anything you or your organization learned during this pandemic that informs the agency's tech opportunities or how you're thinking about technology? I'm really pleased to say that the fundamentals to allow our, our agency to work well in teleworking mode during the pandemic worked extremely well. As an agency, we, you know, we were central to the regulatory approval of therapeutics, vaccines, the testing kits, and there was a lot of focus, as you can imagine, on uh, doing a lot of things very fast. So, uh, in fact, I think uh, there's been some metrics that, uh, I've seen recently where, despite the pandemic, despite the teleworking, the number of approvals um, um, and the work process through our various centers has increased substantially. And so clearly technology was not a barrier or uh, slowed anything down, even as we shifted very, very rapidly to teleworking mode. So our fundamentals from a technology perspective worked really, really well. I think what we've learned though, and this is one of the reasons why we accelerated the publication of our DMAP, is we realized, we, we always knew data was an area we needed to get better at. But I think the pandemic has really highlighted the acute need for data or good data to, to form good decisions. So as we think about some of the problems that we as a nation faced, questions such as, you know, why did we not have a good understanding of the supply chains? You know, how could we have run out of PPE, the swabs, the testing reagents and things like that? You know, what could we have done to manage the supply chain of that better so that we didn't run into shortages there? I think those are the questions that are coming up. And had we had access to good data, we would have been able to manage that scenario a lot better. 
And so right now you're seeing a lot of focus of shifting there, but, but fundamentally what that problem um, requires us to do is solve the data problem. How do we get access to that information so that not only can we plan better, but we can anticipate and, and, and manage the supply chain uh, a lot more effective than we were able to do during this pandemic. So I think that's what's accelerated over, over publication of the DMAP and our focus at how do we get access to good, useful data and how do we put it to use very, very effectively so that in a future medical uh, or healthcare emergency, we don't run out of stuff like we did this time around. Wow, that, that is great to hear. And it leads into my, my next question, which is going to be about in the next phase of the pandemic response, or maybe even future crises, do you think that FDA is in a, a better position next time around to respond based on its tech posture? I think so. I think so. And, you know, more than the investments we're making on the technology modernization, I think the one thing that I think I am very uh, encouraged by that'll, that'll uh, leave us in a very good place is our investment in people and culture. If we create an environment and a culture that attracts the very best people to come and join the agency and, and stay with the agency, I think that's the, the work that we're doing with the NWAB environment. And if you have good people, good people are able to implement good technology and use that good technology and data to solve all the problems that we have or, they, or solve the big problems that we, we, we are setting out to solve. So I think it fundamentally goes down to creating a culture that attracts and retains the very best. And I think uh, that's uh, been a big part of our focus. We didn't talk a lot about that during this podcast, but it is a very big part of our modernization emphasis. Like I said, you know, buying technology and modernizing technology is easy and cheap and frankly, relatively easy. Creating a culture that attracts, retains the very best people to solve the difficult problems that we as an agency deal with, that I think is the is a thing that is sustainable and sustains the modernization work that we're currently doing. That is a fabulous point. Well, final question for me, looking in the short term, you have some of these action plans that your organization put out and we have the next phase of the pandemic response, a lot of unknowns still there, but what are some of the quick wins that you're hoping to achieve over the short term? We're particularly proud of some of the things that we're doing on the modernization side, which are relatively quick wins. Um, so for example, when I joined the agency um, and we looked at our end-of-life uh, systems. We had a huge backlog of end-of-life systems um, that we had not invested very well or planned or prioritized activities there, almost to a point where about 70 to 80% of our equipment was going to go uh, end-of-life in the next year or two. And so in the short term, working with our business partners and uh, our finance partners, we've set aside a, a modernization budget, which over the next few years, um, uh, certainly by 2024, will get us out of the deficit that we had in the end-of-life systems. I think that from a fundamentals perspective, that's a really a good plan that we've got in place and we've got to continue executing to that. So I think that's a good short-term win. The other stuff that I talked about in terms of modernizing people and culture processes is a longer haul and a, uh, a harder journey, to be honest. You know, Changing the way people think, changing the way people solve takes a little while. And I'm encouraged with the progress we've made there, but there are no easy, low-hanging uh, solutions or, or, or things there. You know, what I typically find in most IT organizations and in most organizations in general, you know, if things were easy, they would have been done. So it's all the easy stuff. We've already taken care of that. And I think the previous leadership and the, and the folks that we had in IT have done a pretty good job of getting the fundamentals right. I think now what we've got to do is, is position ourselves to this new healthcare environment that's emerging out there 
and stay true to that. There's no real easy things there. Um, it's a hard slog, but I feel good about the way we're positioned and uh, the support we have from a leadership perspective and the focus we have from an employee perspective to make that change. Fascinating. Well, Vid, thanks so much for going into all this. I'm sure I could take this interview in so many different directions, but I want to be mindful of your time and we're just about out of time. So thank you for joining the show and giving us a look at your background in the private health industry and what the opportunities are at FDA and where FDA is really ramping up its tech priorities. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. GovCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to our website. And please, if you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving us a review in iTunes. We continue to strive to help you connect with federal IT's top decision makers. Thanks for listening.